0: Listening to Skip Intro, I'm Lee Trilin, in the studio with me today, Ian McNally, Julian yep. Um, and once again,
1: huh.
0: super sub over here <laughs> I'm coming in, you week? No, true enough, but we, we welcome you anyway, Arvind Yuvaraj. Um, always nice to have you around. So today, uh, we are talking about this film. Oh, there's my girl.
2: You guys want to party like rock stars?
1: Follow me. Welcome to Mom. Let's rage. last night. I don't want to hang out at Ma's anymore. It's the best party in town. Don't be a loser. Just do it. Can you just get out of here? Are you mad at me for something? Ma went to high school with our parents. Why is my son spending time at your house? What kind of mother? Why wait for the weekend? Parties with high schoolers.
3: Ma is crazy.
0: And that, of course, uh, is the trailer to Ma, um, which is a bit of an awkward title to say, uh, but kind of describes what it is, I suppose. Um, Maybe you guys want to talk about what it actually, what happens, what is it?
1: So Ma is the story of Maggie, who's played by Deanna Silvers, and her mom, who's played by Juliet Lewis, who moved back to their hometown, and she settles into life with school friends and everything pretty easily. But they spend most of their time going to the liquor store, trying to get adults to buy them booze. This is where they run into Sue Ann, played by Octavia Spencer, who is the titular Ma, uh, who initially rejects them but then notices something about the school group friends and decides to help them out by getting them some underage booze. Mm-hmm. This then develops into them coming back to our house because, well, I'd rather you were drinking in my house rather than out driving and making mess. As things develop, however, you start to get the sense that something's not quite right. Why is Sue Ann so friendly? Is she just wants to be popular with kids, like, because of something in her past? What's her connection to Maggie's schoolmates' parents? Why is Juliette Lewis in this? Why is Luke Evans in this? Why is Alison Janney in this? Why is Octavia Spencer Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, exactly yeah. right. Well, I was leading up to what is going on with Octavia Spencer, that she not only starred in it, mm. she produced it.
3: Yeah, but the producer, she was like executive producer, so I guess they just gave her that credit because she would get like extra pay or something just to convince her to sign on to this project. I'm I'm
1: kind of wondering sometimes whether that executive producer credit can be like a double-edged sword. It's like, oh, I didn't have anything to do with it, they just gave it to me, or, oh, I had everything to do with it, they just wanted to give me that title because the idea was mine. Mm -hmm. So in which case, she has plausible deniability.
2: For me... Octavia Spencer being in it and producing it makes a little bit more sense mm-hmm. because I don't remember who it was who said it, but I saw on Twitter, someone said, does a movie have to be good? Is it just not enough to watch Octavia Spencer having all out fun? No, in a movie? no,
3: apparently not. <laughs> not. Not in this movie. Uh, but yeah, so I can't, un- I can't understand why she would sign on for something like this. I can understand that maybe the concept that was pitched to her was something else or she thought it would be like a exploration of a psychopath and she could go all method with mm-hmm. it. But sh- one, she doesn't go method with it. Uh, and two, she sort of, her performance is kind of comedic. And three, she's the only reason why I bought into this movie in the first place. I mean, I didn't buy the movie. I got press passes and stuff. But um, I, w- I, w- I, w- I, w- I watched it for free. But I... I spent my time watching this movie.
0: Nothing I have read um, or now heard about this film will have me believe that anybody involved in it thought it was anything other than what it was. Because the, the premise of it is as such that you you cannot possibly think that mm. this is going to be some deep exploration of of a, of a tortured past or something. You know, it just sounds like absolute exploitation. I mean, which is fine. And and there's a part of me that thinks. You know, just because Octavia Spencer hasn't talked about her love of the B-film doesn't mean that she might not have an inherent love of the B-film. I don't know. I mean, just just to maybe, maybe she thought that's what she was doing.
1: Yeah, I can see that because I was coming out of this and I thought about The Hand That Rocks the Cradle and Fatal Attraction, which is two movies I haven't thought of in decades. Mm -hmm. And if it was going for that kind of scorned woman returning to kind of wreak revenge, that'd be one thing. But the movie seems to have a load of different things it wants to try and do and doesn't really follow any of them. Like, I bring this up a lot when there seems to be a lot of threads and you don't follow them or they seem like they would be more interesting than the actual movie they're doing. Mm -hmm. She's really bad at being the, you know, the clever, sinister person behind the scenes planning stuff. Like, some things she does out of complete, like, it's not like an anger builds over the whole movie. And it really felt unsatisfying to me then because it felt like it was edited in the dark. It was like scenes Mm -hmm. that she's super psychopathic towards the kids at certain points and like being like way needy. And then like they still kind of meet up with her. Yeah, so you don't understand
3: be... why sh- they are doing what they're doing. Like, why yeah. do they keep going to these parties uh, when she's obviously, like, cuckoo? You know, she she has, she has keeps stalking them. She keeps coming after them. Um, and there are points in the movie where they go, like, okay, she's crazy, so we should stop going to her house. And then the next scene, they show up in her house. <laughs> so I'm like... And for a movie that builds itself as uh, from the producers of, of Get Out, I thought we would be at a point where we, we stop doing those kinds of movies where... Um, you know you go in you go deeper into the haunted house i thought we were done with those like late 90s tropes
2: so for me all the things that you guys have just brought up i kind of chalked it up to this is just small town america i think that's um, at one point one of the characters she says Oh, no, but what if someone comes in? What if someone sees us? Mm. And the other character, she replies, we're in the middle of nowhere. No one's going to care. And it's the kind of small-town America feel that, you know what? Let's just go to this creepy old lady's house and let us let her buy booze for us because what else are we going to do on a Friday night? Mm. And that, in a way, a lot of the things like um, Ma's motivations, it was sort of justified because it's not supposed to justify you know, it's a little... It's almost...
1: You're supposed to be suspicious. Yeah, it's mm-hmm, like you're watching mm-hmm, the
2: movie with a little bit of a caveat, thinking, oh, no, I'm not supposed to get why any of this is happening. I mean, it's also a bit... You know, you're making excuses for a film for not actually tying the threads together properly, but also, does it actually need to? I don't think so, because I think it's sort of doing exactly what it needs to do. Because it, when you watch a trailer for this movie you kind of see oh these characters know each other and they meet Ma and that's exactly what you get mm. and then you get the climax at the end there is no that you don't go in expecting anything else except from what the trailer gives you because the trailer gives you the entire movie
1: yeah and I prefer the trailer to the movie there's an awful lot like I would prefer that story because there's an awful lot of fat that goes nowhere again why is Alice and Johnny in this as like mm. a vet it's really really weird you expect something to happen with their character and there's absolutely nothing yeah um The the flip-flopping, I just find it unsatisfying storytelling. It just really like it's that thing of not knowing what wants to be. If there's there's a, it could be like a serial mom black comedy tone in there Mm -hmm. if it works. And like near the end, there's this weird like vaporwave synth music comes in, and it starts turning into like Like the Halloween sort of. It's trying to do Halloween, and it's trying and it's actually nailing some like iconic horror imagery. But about ten minutes before this, it was doing saw style horror and shooting it in the most flat. Boring mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. There's something that ha- you were talking about. We're talking about threads. There's something that happens with some thread, <laughs> and it's horrifying. But it's like it's the most boringly horrifying thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, Like they don't play to the horror moments. It there's...
3: doesn't expand on that that horror at, yeah. at, at all. Um, I can kind of understand what what Julian is saying because if this was like a uh, Friday Thirteenth or like a Halloween or something where there's like a supernatural killer, like a, like a Freddy or Jason or Michael Myers, then I wouldn't need reasons to why they are doing what they're doing. Yeah, uh, they could just go on like a full-on killing spree and kill an entire village and I wouldn't care. But because it's Ma and because they sort of go into like flashbacks and she has like a a reason for doing what she's doing, I kind of expect to know or I kind of expect a motive. But the motive is... I don't know. I don't know what to make of the motive, and then there's a there's a twist, which I don't know what to make of the twist because it's a weak <laughs> twist, and which I saw coming like in the beginning of the movie. Mm. Um, and by the end of it, you kind of you don't understand why any of these people are even in this. Like like what did they sign up for?
0: So I think it's pretty clear that. Um you guys don't think it's a good movie. I think the oh, God, question no. the question here, though, is I don't personally believe that movies have to be good for you to enjoy them. I, yeah, I mean, true. I obviously did not sit through this. <laughs> um, but was there anything to enjoy in the film? Is it something where, you know, in the future, if you see it coming on on TV you, or, you know, you, you have a choice of watching it on a plane, you'd be like, yeah, all right, fine, whatever, two hours. Spent. That's it. This is a plane movie.
2: That's I, what it sounds I like. This is, sleep. A,
0: this is a plane movie. This is a flipping through astro
2: channels, channel surfing movie. You channel don't... surfing movie, yes. Yeah.
1: But I can yes. see because of the way it's shoddily organized that you'll be, oh, what's happening here? But then you'll realize at the end, oh, nothing happened here. This is the- I feel cheated. It's a
2: movie that when you're on the plane and you kind of doze off a little bit you can just wake up and continue. But,
1: yes. but then you might think you've missed something and you might end up watching it again. I think it's a trap doing that. <laughs> no, I think this
3: movie is like you can watch like the first five minutes and watch the last five minutes and you'd be like, okay, I'm done. Like yeah. I, I know what ex- exactly what happens.
2: I was talking to someone who watched it as well and yeah. they said, um, do you know what? This is just a good bad movie. Mm. It's sort of... it's That's what it sounds yeah, like to me a, a little fun, bit. It's not a fun time but it's also not a bad time uh i uh, after after we came out of the movie because rocket man's in cinemas this weekend as well here in malaysia someone did ask would you rather watch ma or would you watch rocket man and i replied i'd watch rocket man and if i had time left to kill i'd watch ma because it's a typical thursday night friday night saturday sunday afternoon if you've got nothing else to watch i think ma is a good one because it's not terrible Yeah. But,
1: but it, seeing yeah. it's the week after Crawl, it's still if you haven't seen Crawl yet, I go see that if you're looking for a good horror-y movie instead.
2: That's
0: true. We've been talking um about Ma. Um nobody liked it. I think basically <laughs> no. more or less nobody liked it all that much. Even Julian, I don't think.
2: You go in with no expectations and you don't hold any expectations of this movie.
0: Great. Okay, and on that note, um, because we spent so much time just now mulling over um, why Octavia Spencer put pen to paper and agreed to do this, we thought we also look at other actors um, that have done similar things, that have played against type, that have done things that have surprised us. Uh, keep it here on Skip Intro and tell us yours, actually. Who have surprised you? Um WhatsApp us at 18 789 You can tweet us at Skip Intro and Y as well. And we'll be back. This is Skip Intro, BFM
1: 89.9. Bombing Frustrated Minds, BFM 89.9.
0: Hello, you are listening to Skip Intro with Lynn, Julian, Arvin and Ian. Um, And today we're talking about, well, earlier we were talking about Ma, uh, which has kind of a stellar cast, uh, kind of less than stellar reviews. And so then we thought we'd talk about, you know, other actors who have chosen to go from Oscar-winning performances to unhinged, um, psychopathic B-movies, or maybe not such a big swing. But yeah, um, did you guys have any that came to mind?
3: Um, Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever would be like my number one like I still I still cannot figure out why Tommy Lee Jones I want to do the laugh but I can't (laughs) like I want to do it yeah (laughs) because he's not that guy like he's never been that guy he's always been like straight faced kind of like the, the, the dictator of any family that he's in kind of Tommy Lee Jones and the moment someone says Jim Carrey is in a movie with you, you don't sign on for like the cuckoo role, like 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 the crazy person. Because yeah. you cannot out crazy Jim Carrey. So uh yeah, that's one. I, I still kind of figure out why Tommy Lee Jones would even sign on to that movie. Have you
1: heard the story of like Jim Carrey seeing him after the movie? In the in the, rest- in the restaurant, Lee, yeah, yeah. and he goes up and talks to him and Tommy Lee Jones says something like I despise you to uh, his I,
3: face. I, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. You're just gonna wow. sanction your buffoonery. Yeah, yeah, that's what he yeah. says. Yes, yes. That's how he speaks. That's right? how he speaks.
2: Like, yeah. that's, that's what I speak. expect what him. him, him yeah. If I see him for the first time, He's just going to punch me in the face and say exactly
1: yeah, that. Yeah, cool. mm. yeah, yeah. It's a what, good choice. One that stuck with me was because I'm old. I remember when Bruce Willis was known as a comedian.
3: No,
1: because <laughs> yeah, yeah? He, this is weird for you guys, but um, he was like great in a TV show called Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd, yeah. Sybil Danning, Sybil Shepherd. Yeah, and it was a great show, and he was known as the funny guy. So when he did Die Hard. It was a real... He is the everyman because he's not built up like the other guys and it's a real change in what you expect from him. The problem with Bruce Willis is it stuck. And after Hudson Hawk, he never Mm. went back to really do comedy and even when he tried to do one with Kevin Smith on... um, Oh, I can't remember the actual name of it Cop, Cop out. out that's the Cop one up. Yeah, in that like he didn't want to run lines he didn't he had ideas of funny that were not funny and it's sad because I thought he was a really funny guy and I actually like his Under the Boardwalk cover when he sang as well so it's weird we lost that Bruce Willis
0: but isn't that because Bruce Willis you know I mean we're talking about type and playing yeah. against mm-hmm. type but that's because Bruce Willis's type now is kind of um, what Matt Wahlberg thinks he is Yeah, you <laughs> know sort of like the guy who could in fact save yeah. the world you know
3: if I were on a plane that no. wouldn't have happened like, like yeah. that whole
0: vibe is a very Bruce Willis thing yeah. and so I don't think that guy would allow himself to be funny anymore
3: which is sad have you seen like Kevin Smith's uh, YouTube uh, interviews on Bruce Willis like he hates no. the guy oh he brings it up repeatedly, yeah, he but brings he's it made up he's made peace
1: with it but it is like you know but pe- I think people say screamed, Hey diehard Adam as they passed by when they were shooting and Bruce Willis was like, I hate this and Kevin was like, mm-hmm. But you've you've impacted so many people and brought joy to so many people. And he's like, mm. I don't
2: think this is a I don't think this is a unique experience yeah. though. I think Jack Black also said that he hates Bruce Willis.
0: <laughs> no, but I just wanna say two stories in a row, people hating each other. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Positivity. <laughs> um before I, I just wanted to say, like, I, I was thinking about it and um, I'm sure something will come to mind, but I have a person that I'd like to see play against type mm. um, and that is Charles Dance, because Ooh. Charles Dance oh, wow. is so freaking like dignified and you know all all Lannistery and mm. like and he's he's got that whole thing going. Where um, do you do? You guys remember that ad from a couple of years ago about how you know. British people we're always the villains because we just sound good you oh, know like the cars that and helicopters <laughs> yeah and exactly and and Charles dance fits very neatly into that type of thing where it's like you know British guy very debonair if he played the villain you'd be like cool James Bond <laughs> villain I want to see him play an American slob just once oh. I want him to be like an Adam Sandler type thing like, like the guy beat at home. Yeah, yeah 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 living in a trailer or something like who who maybe goes to I don't know I don't know I kind just, of a bum a kind hair. of a bum but like like an affectionate bum you know yeah. sort of a, a harmless um, and impactless creature in a film like that's
3: a, like what a, I'd uh, like to see like Charles a Kevin Dance James. like a
1: Kevin James in uh, exactly. yeah, yeah. Kevin yeah. James Charles Dance like mall cop yeah why not <laughs> can why not? we just
0: see Charles Dance in an untailored sweatshirt like it would make my life <laughs> Life, yeah. So just do the good actor. I'm just saying that it would be inherently funny to me to see Charles dance do that. So Uh, I mean, I I
1: think he's well tailored. But have you seen The Golden Child and um, Last Action Hero? Yeah. Oh, okay. So mm. you've seen him play those kind of cheesy villainous roles in the past. So
0: cheesy villain is one thing. Yeah. And and he's English. Like he's English, he's aquiline, he's tall. Like mm-hmm. we all know he could play a bad guy. I want to see him
3: be yeah, Kevin James. Kevin James. Basically yeah. Kevin James. You want yeah. him
0: to slouch a little bit. You don't want him to sit up straight. I want him to,
2: <laughs> to be
3: eating pizza off his belly. Ah, <laughs> I, I While watching that, TV, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in, in like a meet the fuckers
0: kind of film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just something like that mm-hmm. would, would just make my life.
2: Nice, cool. Um, For me, I think I'd like to see both Andy Samberg and Amy Poehler do some sort of serious thing. Because in the Steve Carell sort of way, Mm. um, how, you know, Steve Carell, and then you go into something like Foxcatcher, where Mm. his character is like terrifying and like even in the big short. Just Steve Carell's character in that.
0: You know, in Foxcatcher, um, he told the story about how people driving him to and from set uh, didn't want to speak to him mm. wow. when he was in character, yeah, because they found him so off-putting and unpleasant. Yeah. yeah. So
2: yeah, Steve Carl did it incredibly, and I think uh, you know having that comedic past is very helpful because you can see the extremes of that of that very violent or off-putting character, but then you can tone it down a little bit to make it you know drama. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you have someone like Andy Samberg and Amy Poehler, I think it's kind of a matter of time. So if you think of like Jonah Hill and how his past was like super bad, but then going into like Moneyball mm. or going into his role like in The Wolf of Wall Street, where I think The Wolf of Wall Street would be like a perfect middle ground for someone like Andy Samberg to do. Just a bit, little bit hammy, but not really hammy. You've got the false teeth, but like it's. It's acting. It's true acting. Mm -hmm. So I think Amy Poehler would be great doing that as well. I think it's like a matter of time because Tina Fey has kind of moved into that drama sidestep thing. Mm. But I think she'd be good. I think I kind of want to see her as like the president (laughs) because that's what she that's what (laughs) Leslie Nome has always wanted. But I think she'd be a great president. I think she'd be a great kind of terrible boss like Jennifer Aniston and horrible bosses. I think Amy Poehler could do that. Mm. But also like a really horrible downbeaten woman <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> excellent um and of course like we said this whole conversation has been happening because we've been talking about actors and type right and the fact that some actors just have this whole thing attached to them and one of them passed away recently
1: yeah i thought we should bring it up because uh, Rucker Howard passed away last night and i think he was an actor who seemed to defy type in every single decision and everything he made from whether it was acting on set to just the choices he made for what kind of jobs he would take i've seen things you people wouldn't believe attack ships on fire off the shoulder of orion i watched sea beans glitter in the dark near the tenhouser gate All those
0: moments will be lost in time, like tears.
1: A lot of people know him for the the big speech for Blade Runner. It's become mm-hmm. iconic over the years, but even after Blade Runner he was that was eighty two and then he was cast as a romantic lead in like eighty five in Lady Hawk, which if you haven't seen it is a medieval movie with Matthew Broderick and Michelle Pfeiffer, where Rokehara's character is a wolf by day, I think, and she turns into a bird by night so they're like cursed an never to, wolf? yeah an actual wolf oh. and, and an she, actual hawk and she turns into a hawk <laughs> and they cannot spend time together they're cursed by an evil priest and not a, like a, wow. a weird thing but an evil priest
0: can, can they not spend time together because of the, the height difference?
1: or like the, the species thing. Like,
0: there's so many questions. I just... Okay, any, sorry. They just had Matthew
1: Broderick speaking at a thousand words per minute to kind of cover over any of the logical questions <laughs> in this movie. And they got Tangerine Dream to do the score to make you kind of not listen about it. But those kind of things, he was doing that kind of thing. And then, like, straight after that, he goes and does The Hitcher, which is one of the... Like a terrifying kind of... To bring it back to Ma, the kind yeah. of stranger invading your life thing. And just being completely evil in Sin City, being like weird in Hobo with a Shotgun.
3: I love Hobo with a Shotgun. You love it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love
1: that movie. I think it couldn't quite live up to the title, but mm. it's a real, you know, if you're talking about something you want to watch, that's well, like a horror movie, it's a it's a great watch. Yeah. And even it did that, uh, I think Bahir mentioned before, he's in Galavant, which is the, the musical show Bahir mentioned recently. But again, doing a musical in his like 70s or 80s, just nuts. So the last thing I want to mention is he is pure genius. So again, if you haven't seen them, he did ads in the '80s, which are surreal and hilarious, and I would highly recommend you seek them out on YouTube, just because it's him, even mocking the type he is cast as. He talks about like himself being accused of being too self-important, and then takes a swig, and it's literally all over his nose.
0: I think it's just a good opportunity to go look through his um, IMDb, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of pick and choose. Um, so, yeah, let us know um, what are your Rutger Hauer favorites and which actors would you like to see play against type? Which actors have you enjoyed seeing play against type? Uh, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. You can tweet us at skipintromy. If you have something longer to say, you can write us at movies at bfm.my.